Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I am Meg. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. This week, we are shifting our focus to Houston. Team president of the Dash, Jessica O'Neill, is here to walk me through the team's evolution for 2022 and what comes next, including a run at this year's playoffs. Ebony Salmon has outscored entire teams since July. They've made some big trade news. They just hired a new GM. Under owner Ted Siegel, there is clear new ambition, and Jessica is here to tell us all about it. It's Super interesting. All right. Full Time with Meg Linehan is presented by Klarna, the new smart way to pay when you shop online for tickets, team merch, and more. Before we get to the rest of today's episode, as always, to show your support of Full Time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and our app, you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full time. It is always our very best deal. All right. There was so much news this week. It just kept happening and and happening some more. So these are going to be a little bit brief just so we're not here an extra 20 minutes so we can get right to what Jessica and I want to talk about. Of course, the NWSL championship has been announced. We are heading to the district in Audi Field on October 29th. But the big news here is that the game will be in primetime on Big CBS at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now I've got the story on how that happened with an assist from Ally and previous guest of full-time, Andrea Brimmer. That's over at The Athletic, and the link, of course, will be in the show notes if you missed it. Okay, weird one here. Chris Ward was abruptly relieved of his duties this week by the Washington Spirit with the news delivered via tweet, and that was it. The Spirit have been winless since the first week of the regular season. No news yet on an interim coach, at least as of Wednesday afternoon, but a team source said that Angela Salem is currently running training sessions. Player movement window closed last night in the NWSL. We saw a decent amount of trades and signings, but perhaps the one that got the most attention was the trade between the current and Gotham FC for Victoria Pickett, with Gotham sending $200,000 in allocation money and a 2023 first-round draft pick to Kansas City. All right, one more NWSL record will be bested this season thanks to the San Diego Wave. Over 27,000 tickets have now been sold for the team's debut at the brand new Snapdragon Stadium, guaranteeing that they will set a new attendance record in the regular season and surpass the Thorns' first sellout crowd after their stadium renovations. This new record is going to be set on September 17th against Angel City, so it will definitely be a good one. They might still have some tickets left. If you're in that area thinking about it, you can be a part of history. The U.S. Women's National Team friendlies are incoming in September, and the roster largely stayed the same from the same in qualifiers in Mexico. Emily Sonnet is out due to injury, and Sam Coffey got that roster spot. Then on Wednesday, it was announced that Haley Mace would replace Kelly O'Hara on the roster due to O'Hara needing some additional rest for a hip injury. But really, the big news of this roster isn't about a player that's actually on the full roster, but Crystal Dunn's return to the national team environment for the first time since the birth of her son, Marcel. She'll be training with the team, and head coach Flacco Andonofsky did say that he expects Crystal Dunn to play at least some minutes for the national team before the year is done. Very exciting. Okay, the Dash. They have been making moves this week on their roster, in the front office. Team president Jessica O'Neill joins the show to discuss the team's ambition. She was hired earlier this year. Previously, she had spent nine years with the Carolina Panthers and Charlotte FC, including a role as director of marketing and communications for Charlotte FC. So here's Jessica. All right. So Jessica, I I know that you have been now in the league for a little bit. You've, you know, you've gotten your your feet under you. I just want to start with kind of like 
first impressions of the world of NWSL. You know, I was joking with Sophie Savage last week, like coming into this league, I think sometimes can be a little bit of a, a culture shock for folks. But what it, what have been your main takeaways about NWSL and, and the Houston Dash? It's a great question, Megan. Thank you for having me. It has been an absolute incredible experience so far. It feels in some ways like it's been five years and it's been five months, but uh, I think I am, I continue to be uh, pleasantly surprised in a lot of areas. Uh, I continue to be bullish on the opportunity commercially um, and the opportunity, you know, from a fan engagement standpoint that we have at the league level and the people bank, the people are amazing. The, the partners are committed uh, the media members are are right there with us. Uh, the fans are there. You know, the, the the infrastructure is building. You know, obviously the commissioner is building up her league office. We're building up our front office. Uh, there's firepower. And it's been um, truly every single day feels like uh, there's obviously a million things to do and you can only... <laughs> You only get 24 hours in the day, but uh, that's what you want in a job. You know, you want you want that. And it's been the most rewarding experience so far. And I have no doubt that uh, it's only going to continue to be that way. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even this week, we've kind of seen the big news around the NWSL championship, right? Moving to primetime, which feels like a really, to be fair, like it was on primetime back in some of the earlier deals. But those were very, we don't need to get into NWSL broadcast history here, but like, you know, CBS has stepped up in a way that I think a lot of the other league broadcast partners have have not in the history of this league. But, you know, primetime, you have allies stepping in and basically making it worth <laughs> CBS's while to move the game to primetime in the middle of college football season. So, you know, there is this kind of big, I think it's really interesting because I feel like it's huge progress, but then there's also a lot more pressure on the league to say, hey, we deserve this, right? And it's not just going to be, this one-off championship thing, like we'll see you in 2023 and we're going to, we're going to be asking for more because we've now shown you like, Hey, we deserve this kind of coverage. And just how does that, when something happens like this at the league level, how does that then filter back into the teams and how are you able to say, here's this momentum happening at this level, we get to harness it too. It's, it's incredible news. We we think about the residual effects of every single positive and negative noteworthy piece that happens, not just in our country and obviously at the league level, but even internationally. I mean, I swear I talked about the women's heroes uh, more over a six-week period than um, probably people in Houston were expecting. But, you know, you saw all of those games uh, readily accessible for people to watch. Uh, whether they were, you know, casual fans or avid fans, it was there, it was available to them. Uh, and, and to have our championship uh, on on prime time, it, it can't be understated. Ally is a phenomenal partner of the league. I think the world of Andrea and her team uh, have worked closely with them in my past life. And you see things aligning and you see people putting actions behind their words that say, we know where this is going to go and we're going to do everything in our power to get it there as soon as possible. And this is one of those actions and it has a massive impact at every single club across the league, um, at every level of the women's game, you know, and even women's sports in general, not just soccer. Uh-oh. So we're, we're thrilled. We're thrilled that that, that came to be. Uh, and I'm sure there's more to come because I know that league office is busy, <laughs> is busy working on many, many more. It will keep you all busy and all of us busy as we try yeah. to maximize each one. Yeah, when I talked to Jessica Berman on uh, this Monday, she was just like, yeah, we're, we're 24-7 <laughs> at the moment. Like, we're just, you know, going, going, going. I, I think it is really interesting, though, too, because you think about, 
you know, Challenge Cup, the first edition of Challenge Cup, Houston lifting the trophy, it felt like a big inflection point, not just for the league and and in a very weird time for sports overall, right? NWSL kind of pushing to be the first league back, getting games on big CBS. Houston was a team that really benefited from all of that attention. And Houston is now a team that is like really in a playoff push. So what what is the vibe <laughs> like at the Dash front office right at the moment where, you know, August is about to to wind down and we've got about mm, five, six weeks left of the regular season, but Houston is very much in the mix. The the vibe is, is very good to answer your question, Meg. It is, um, it's amazing internally and externally to, to understand the full spectrum of fans. And, you know, there's some that are super aware and following us, you know, week after week, and they know the table and where we stand and what, what the scenarios are. And, um, and Houston is the fourth largest city in the country. So there's plenty of others that aren't aware. Um, I make it my mission to tell, <laughs> to tell every single person that I can that their, their uh, women's professional team in the city is making their first ever playoff, you know, hopefully playoff appearance in club history and how massive that's going to be. This is a city that uh, loves sports. It loves sports teams that are uh, high performing and performing well is what everyone has told me. So here we are. Um you know, in the, I was at our training facility this morning and, you know, the vibe there is uh, it's one day at a time. It is one training session at a time, one meeting at a time, uh, obviously one opponent at a time. And uh, it, it's, I mentioned something about the uh, championship news and you could tell that that was not, we're not there, right? <laughs> we were talking about the primetime broadcast and how exciting it was. And I realized my head is there and they're, they're not there because they're thinking about the Washington spirit on Sunday and on right. Saturday. So um, there is a, a phenomenal energy around the team and uh, we're just looking to sustain it really. Uh, and I'm trying not to mess it up. <laughs> so. I mean, it, it has been a really interesting 2022 though for the dash. I mean, every, I think every team has its own storylines and narratives, but obviously the coaching situation in Houston, but also you have a player like Rachel Daly, who has really been kind of, the heart and soul of the club for a really long time, departing to go back to England. But then you also have Ebony Salmon coming in and just, I mean, absolutely popping off for a million goals. So it's just like there are a lot of narratives and it seems like the team is also not just trying to, to ride the momentum, but also really think about the roster as that playoff push yes. comes closer. Caprice yep. Didasco, obviously a really big move. So what what is the the approach maybe in terms of you know, this is a, a legitimate playoff contender team that can hang with a Portland or a, a San Diego, right? That That is 100% the approach. We we believe in our potential wholeheartedly, and, you know, we have to believe it first before anyone else is going to believe it. So we are every single move that we make, um, whether it's obviously a roster transaction, but even day-to-day decisions – we put ourselves through, you know, the filter of, is this what a championship caliber team would do? You know, every decision that we make is, is that what, does that represent what we're building? And if it doesn't, we don't do it because uh, it's the play on the field is obviously such an important piece, but it's, it's, it's everything around, you know, how, how clean is our facility? How buttoned up are we, you know, when we're traveling, how, uh, how organized and communicative are we with each other? And, uh, those are the little decisions and, and they, they have an impact, I think on the atmosphere around the team. 
and then the transactions fall into place in a sense of, you know, first and foremost, you know, is it a player that truly wants to be in Houston and, and believes in what we're, what we're, what we're building, believes in that the city is wildly underrated. I tell everyone <laughs> really, really sneaky, cool of a place. Yes. It's hot. Uh, Rachel has famously read <laughs> that, that many times. That but, is fair. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a cultural melting pot. And um, we, we do, we want, we want everybody to be bought in and the transactions that you've seen are, are a reflection of, of that. Um, and we're going to keep going um, because ultimately we know where we, where we want to get to. And it's, it is one day at a time in order to, to set ourselves up for that. Yeah. I will say, um, you know, we, I think we've joked on Twitter for a really long time, especially now that Kansas city is back in the league that we need to have like a barbecue competition, you know, barbecue cup between Houston, Kansas city and, and North Carolina. And I will say, I think, arguably Houston might have the edge in my book. I'm, I'm going to put myself out there. Um, I have had some mighty, mighty good barbecue in Houston. So like the food scene there is pretty legit, pretty legit. Um, it's real. It is very, yeah. it is intense because I've only been here for five months and there are so many places to explore in neighborhoods and, um, cultural areas and yes you could eat very well in Houston for yeah, quite some time 100% 100% I do want to talk to you about the new general manager as well for the team I mean it feels to me like just from the outside right your hire new general manager hire like the infrastructure is being built there with dedicated folks around the dash in a way that maybe the team historically has not put bodies <laughs> around this team but what what do you see this commitment on on the technical side I think when you look at the ecosystem, especially around the players and coaches, what what they deserve is a leader that's there uh, overseeing the operation is how it'll be structured for us. But that's not the head coach. And that's not that's not a president that is also involved on the business side. And that commitment to say, yes, you know, one, this is how a best in class organization is run full stop. So we need to we need to go that route. Um, And two, you know, the the ability to constantly uh, observe, help make decisions, empower people. You know, uh, the the incoming hire, Alex Singer, has been a player. She played professionally for 10 seasons in leagues across the world. So she can relate to some of these decisions and players and um, their situation in a different way than, you know, our coaching staff can, than I can. Uh, and that's going to help us tremendously. We're, we're really trying to find complementary skill sets and experiences to round out the entire group um, so that it, it's, you know, it's not just we're heavily front loaded with people with X type of experience or from X place, uh, but collectively we are, we are diverse in our thought and our background and our experience and Alex coming on board helps us do that in a way that we're really excited about. Just in terms of, I, I do think Houston has been like this very interesting team for the NWL across its history. I mean, I remember covering when the Houston Dash were announced as an expansion team and it was this very like the Houston Dash expansion story is very different than let's say like the Angel City expansion story, right? Where the run up was very abbreviated for Houston, but also we've seen, okay, it's coming in. They have the MLS infrastructure. They do know what they're doing. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be kind of like a rush to the finish, but it's going to be okay. And I was hoping that we could maybe take a little bit of a step back and get your thoughts on, you know, there are so many different approaches to how to run a team in this league. We do have the MLS and WSL combo teams. We have USL 
NWSL, we have complete independence. And what is your sense of not just in talking with other teams across the league, but being in a in a space that is shared across two different leagues, if there are, you know, pros and cons to having that that, you know, infrastructure built around you. And I think that's it, Meg. You said infrastructure and, and resources. I think that's the biggest the biggest difference. We had uh, an example I've used a couple of times where a uh, the team was getting ready to leave, the Dash were getting ready to leave on a trip about a month ago, and we had uh, an equipment manager that tested positive for COVID, and we had one ready at the facility that we pulled uh, that has obviously been around the team, is more focused on the Dynamo side, uh, but we, ha- we had that person. That person was there. They were ready. You know, that's obviously a personnel resource, but you look at the technology, you look about the facilities, you look at the stadium, uh, some of the shared services on our business side that we were, were able to, and we hope to accomplish more faster uh, because we have this, this organizational setup. We do absolutely need dedicated resources in as many places as possible. I'm a big believer in that. Ted Siegel is supportive of that. We've had quite a few conversations of, of where, you know, at what level, where does it make the most impact uh, and, and across the board set the organization up for success. Um, but these are two different teams at two different life stages, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, with different fan bases and different needs, marketing needs, PR needs. Uh, the content should be different. Those types of things I think about on a regular basis. So uh, that's an opportunity for us to, to, to really start to think about things differently, especially this off season. Uh, and quite frankly, do some of the grassroots community focused brand building that you do do when you're an expansion team and you have time to sink your teeth in and, you know, be boots on the ground and tell everybody, this is who the Houston Dash are and we're going to come to you and we want you to come to us when the season starts, but we're, we're first going to build that. And I think to the, to the way that you mentioned that the team was brought in, that's, you know, you're never going to replicate uh, the build up to an expansion team an inaugural match, et cetera. But there are some lessons there um, and some experiences I had with my time in Charlotte that, that we need to, we've tried, we've been doing some of them right now. We're building the plane as we fly it, obviously, but um, we, we want to, we want to be able to implement more of those things uh, this off season that will hopefully see a, a pretty significant increase in attendance and partnership for next year, which is uh, what we ultimately hope and need. Uh, we want to fill that stadium. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the goal. Uh, but I, I think this off season will give us time to do that. I know that there were also some some changes coming to the stadium. Could you maybe walk yes. us through that? Because I know, like, I, I think what is really interesting is we talk so much about attendance in the NWSL and we talk about TV viewership, but, like, the game day experience is a part of helping both of those things grow. And the stadium is, you know, the facility is such a key part of that. Well, because in this day and age with live sports, you know, especially the more readily available it is on broadcast what's the benefit of coming to the game? How, how is that experience? If you go once and the parking is not easy or the food is not good or the, you know, the, the seats are uncomfortable, which we'll get to that in a second, but those types of things, then you kind of wonder next time, do I want to go back? Did I make a connection at all that would warrant me coming back? And that's something we take very seriously is one, getting first time visitors to our facility, but two, making sure that when they come, we do everything in our power to make sure that they want to return. So, uh, this off season, we will 
do a, a significant increase to PNC Stadium. We'll remove every seat in the stadium. It's currently a uh, hard plastic with no uh, armrests, no cup holders. We'll remove that. We'll replace it with a fully mesh seat with armrests, with cup holders. Little things that matter. Uh, mm-hmm. The mesh matters in Houston significantly. It could be yep. 30 degrees cooler. So uh, that will be a game changer for us. And that's the full stadium. That's a full stadium change, which was important to us. And then we'll, we'll also do a, another renovation where we uh, add additional premium seating. We have uh, a second club that's all-inclusive air conditioning club. Again, uh, might as well lean into the heat that is part of our narrative and uh, make sure that we have options for people coming to the games. We currently have one uh, air-conditioned club space in the stadium, and we we desperately need an additional space. Most, most new facilities have multiple uh, mm-hmm. options for folks from a premium seating standpoint. So that will be the second portion, uh, and we have – you know, additional considerations into the future of things that we'd like to do. And Ted Siegel is spearheading all of those enhancements to the fan experience that are, are currently being reviewed. I know, like, you know, I've been to the stadium in Houston a whole bunch. Um, there is definitely a presence for the dash in the stadium, but is this maybe a chance to, like, put the dash a little more, like, on even footing with the Dynamo in terms of making it feel like a true home venue for both? That is that is absolutely the case in, in, all, in all that we do. And I think there's a... Um, there's a, the city is absolutely big enough to uh, have some crossover, you know, what feels right, but also two separate fan bases that are both filling a 22,000 seat stadium. So, uh, and that's something we talk about a lot of, you know, it's a soccer specific stadium downtown. There's mm-hmm. bars and restaurants within walking distance. Uh, it's centrally located. It's easy to get to. I've been traveling with the team and, and that's not always the case. And it, for us, it is a difference maker that we have, this beautiful facility that the dash play in, you know, every single home match uh, that, that is theirs and feel should feel like theirs uh, on a consistent basis. Yeah. Just in terms of, uh, you know, I think all of this conversation is really encouraging for Houston, but I, I kind of want to ask you this big question is what, do, what do you think the ambition of the club is, right? Like, you know, I think Houston has been a team that has shown that they, can perform on the field, right? Like it has not been an easy journey for the Houston Dash kind of through their lifetime. And now it feels like from the Challenge Cup on, there has been the sense of you can't overlook us, right? Like we're going to force you to pay attention to us. But now it feels like there is this bigger ambition of like, hey, we would be prepared to host a championship again and fill that stadium. We should be considered, you know, a, a, a bigger part of the NWSL overall. And I'm just wondering if, my outside impression of that is is on the money or if maybe it's even bigger from your side? I think it's it's all very true. All of those things you mentioned, we want to be a destination of choice. And I that's not just for top players. Uh, that is for staff. That That is for coaches. That is for partners in media. We want we want everybody across the sports landscape across the world to think of when they think of the NWSL, they think of the dash to your point of how, how do how are we leveled up there? And then they want to come, they want to come visit or they want to come be a part of it. They want to jump into it. And then, you know, the second tier of that, besides being a destination of choice is when we re, you know attract that talent or interest, it's retaining it. It's making sure that if, if there's a, uh, an exit path for a player, a staff member, a, a partner, it's because that decision makes sense for them. And it's, it's, we did everything we could have done uh, to make sure that they felt valued. Uh, and, and that second piece is taking it deeper, you know, beyond just getting folks here similar to the fans. Um, and yes, I mean, our facility is 
is bar none one of the best in the world. Uh, our training facility has been used for many different uh, international teams that are visiting Houston. We have the World Cup coming here in 2026. Uh, the you know, from a from a wider lens, the uh, appeal of Houston, we really do feel like uh, is massive already, I would say, from an international standpoint. We also want to win Houston, for lack of a better phrase. I mean, we want this, this city, the city loves uh, sports teams and those that are connecting with the community. We need to make sure we do that so that it's hyper localized as well. So it's mm-hmm. it's balancing both of those things, um, the day to day, you know, uh, on the ground with business owners, with, with the folks moving the needle here locally, and then, you know, internationally ensuring that we're in every conversation that we should be. Yeah, I mean, I think it is really interesting of, I think we see it probably a lot more on the men's side of like having that ambition of like, oh, we want to be one of the biggest clubs in the world, right? Like we want to be talked about in that wider conversation. And, and, you know, there are, I think, a, a few clubs who have managed that to like enter that conversation in the women's side. But not overlooking the local piece and not overlooking, okay, we got to make sure that we are maxing out all of those local opportunities. And you bringing up 2026, I think is a perfect point. There are obviously, you know, you said you were talking about euros a whole lot this summer, right? Like we have a 2023 world cup coming up next summer, but then 2026 is going to bring local attention to Houston. So like in terms of that, you know, obviously trying to do long-term plans for, for a few years out is really tough right at the moment, but how much is the 2026 stuff maybe impacting the, like, okay, how do we get to, you know, a certain place by that time? So that way when the world cup rolls through, it's not just, you know, men's soccer that's benefiting the NWL is also viewed through this lens. I think it's, it's top of mind in all of our long-term planning is understanding the, the eyeballs, the, the, visitors that are coming through here, uh, the reach that having and hosting a World Cup will have is to make sure that you know, when you think of Houston, you think of the Dash and the Dynamo, you know, and, and that they're they're on that same level uh, for different reasons and they mean different things from a branding standpoint, but uh, there's consistency and equity in both of those clubs and that they, we hopefully by that point, earn the respect um, that we that we are, are, know we have to prove that we deserve. Yeah. I mean, just it's it's going to be really interesting just because there are really so few NWSL markets that are going to be able to like take advantage of that. And so I think it does, you know, Kansas City, obviously in the mix, L.A., um, Gotham, but it's not necessarily every NWSL market is going to have that kind of direct local influx of attention. So I think it is going to be something that's really interesting to watch. Obviously, like Jane Campbell has been involved in the the bidding process a little bit. So it does seem like all of those conversations are probably, you know, the, the bridges have been built yes. already. Yeah. yeah, we have a great relationship with the Sports Authority and the big committee and their, uh, Ted serves on the committee as well. And I think uh, there there is a true partnership approach to even what the next few years look like. You know, what's the fan engagement strategy for this year's World Cup for the men, for next year's World Cup for the women? And how do we how do we build and build and build? And then Rising Tides lifts all boats is really the approach here. I've been absolutely shocked at how much Houston wants to help support, uh, especially the growth of the game here locally uh, in areas that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of uh, from a corporate and community standpoint of just, you know, everybody is raising their hand every time I have an introduction. It is, yes, I want in, let me know how I can help. Uh, And that's been 
that's been really key for us to know that uh, we have people in our corner that will help amplify the work that we're doing. All right. I have one last one for you. Hopefully it's a, a fun one, but without spoiling anything that you can't spoil, is there one thing that you are looking forward to more than anything else, maybe through the end of the 2022 season beyond when November one rolls around and we actually like get to sleep a normal night? <laughs> Top of mind right now. And the thing I'm, I am, I shouldn't be so excited for because we're not there yet, but we are, we are working behind the scenes to plan for what we hope is our first ever playoff match for the dash in October and an opportunity to, to blow that out of the park, to sell every seat in the stadium, uh, which would be a significant lift from what we, what we typically see for the dash. Mm-hmm. My hope is one, we can do that. We fall in a place where we can host uh, and two, that that has residual effects that carry us through the off season, regardless of how it goes after that. So uh, I think about October <laughs> in general, is kind of what I call it mid, mid to late October uh, every single minute right now and, and trying to build, build towards that. So um, it's probably not a healthy obsession, <laughs> uh, but it is very real. And we yeah. are, we are preparing, uh, we're preparing for a, a massive show that will make sure that, you know, if you're anywhere in the city, you, you can't ignore the Houston Dash because you've heard about them <laughs> for a month and here they are and, and let's hopefully go go make a significant dent in this run. All right, well, I'm, I'm sitting on a wood chair, so we'll, we'll knock on wood for okay, you. Thank, so yes, that way. you. That's why I just call it October. <laughs> Give myself flexibility. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. All right, well, thank you so much for the time and you know, obviously always welcome to, to hop back on the show and keep us updated on everything that's going on in Houston. Thank you, Meg. Appreciate all that you do. It's great talking to you. Thank you to Jessica for her time. It is a very interesting and fun time, I think, to be a Dash fan. So if you are not, I would I would keep your eye on Houston through the end of the season. All right. For all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more info. Plus, you can always watch the the show now if you would like to i do a nice little youtube embed for you right there if you'd like to subscribe to the athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage you can do that right now at theathletic.com slash full time my name is meg you have been listening to full time with meg linehan you can always find me on twitter and instagram at it's meg linehan and my work at the athletic full time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer michael zimmerman from the athletic i'm meg thanks for listening we